coming-of-age tales are as old as storytelling itself. They provide an outline for a universal journey that everyone will take at some point in their lives in an attempt to define themselves in relation to the world around them. What are the common threads to this timeless genre? What makes these tales so universally appealing? Why do some experiences ring truer than others? Join the Bonsai Boys, Jay and Travis, in this four-part series as they explore the coming-of-age genre through examples in film, television, literature, and music. So, Jay, I, I've been going back through memory lane um, for a couple of reasons. I, my mom turned 75 this year, so I was going through a bunch of photos because uh, we decided to make her this like memory book of like 75 memories. Like I put like 25 in, my sister put like 25 in, and then grandkids, brother-in-law, brother and sister. And so I had to pull a bunch of photos from old photo albums. And cool. we were doing this coming-of-age set, right? So I was going through these old photo albums and seeing pictures of myself uh, when I was coming of age. Uh, and <laughs> a lot of the photos that I saw were actually photos of me before school dances. Uh, which I think is, I don't know, I think it is a marker, it is a rite of passage, it is something very much associated with a lot of pop culture surrounding coming of age realistic stories, right? That moment when they go yeah. to the school dance, right? I mean, they even use that shit in like Stranger Things and stuff. That's, <laughs> you know, like, oh, we're gonna do this. Um, so talk to me, talk to me, Jay, about your school dance experience. Did you go to school dances? Well, okay. Uh, oddly enough, I attended absolutely no school dances. Oh, wow. This conversation <laughs> is going to go real far. Not even, not even, no, no. However, however, um, it's just because I, I never really understood the dance. I just, I never, as much as I Is that in quotes, music, the dance? I can't move. The day, you know, whether, yeah, whether it be whatever dancing, you know, I just, I can't get into it. I don't know how. But like, did you ever like, so they, you know, you have, you know, your middle school dances and then you have like your homecomings and then you have your proms and whatnot. Um, you never like you and your buddies were like, hey, let's just go to this one. Or you never convinced to go to one. Like you don't have to, da I mean, half the people at a school dance hardly even dance. <laughs> no. No, no, I just, I never did. Keep it in punk rock, huh? First, well, first of all, like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I ever really even liked the, a lot of the music they used to play there. So I'm just like, well, what's, you know, what's the point? Yeah, but I don't know. So, I, cause I, but I recognize uh, a lot of shit goes down at school dances. A lot of shit goes down at school dances. No. Um, so I'll, let me give you a little insight into this world, Joe. So I think my first school dance was maybe like sixth grade or seventh grade, middle school dances. Now, I was never like, let's go to the dance. But it was kind of like a boys group decision. Someone someone gets a date to the dance, so they're like, you guys have to come with me. And you're like, I don't want to go to the dance. But then you're like, I guess I'm going to this dance. Right? And I'm not a dancer as well. I can't dance. Can't dance. Don't ask me. Can't dance. Uh, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do the cool dance. And this was in the 90s. And I went to a school that was very multicultural, and it was a lot of what were they called uh, freaking at that time. Now it's like twerking, mm. but it was called freaking at the time. 
It's just kind of like what, someone's butts dance? in front of like you, someone's thing? butts in front of you. And even at a, like a middle school dance, you'd see that. And teachers just let this happen. Wow. Just like grinding. It was basically doggy style on the dance floor. <laughs> and with clothes on. I could see <laughs> the appeal of that. It's basically like rubbing your junk up against someone's butt for like the the length of a song. But there's no way I was going to do that. I might have got pulled into a couple of freaky songs where I'm just like awkwardly, like stiffly standing there, <laughs> like very stiffly, Jay. Uh, and Ooh. but it's crazy the stuff that the slow dance was the key. So any good dance DJ at a school dance, and I go to school dances and chaperone them now as a teacher, uh, and they don't play slow songs anymore. And I was like, oh man, what a really? bummer! No, they don't play slow songs anymore. And that was always the the once every half an hour that slow song would come on. It doesn't matter if you were a shitty dancer. You could kind of box step or sway to that song. And it was your chance yeah. to like see who had a crush on you uh, or you had a crush on you. Like, go, go ask Melissa or Melissa. Be like, uh, there would be this whole system of early in the night. That girl's friends would be like, are you going to ask Melissa to dance? Are you going to ask uh, Lauren to dance? Are you going to ask Lindsay to dance? And you're like, oh, I'm not going to dance. I'm not going to be here that long. And then and then the bully, the, the their their girlfriend who was like very assertive, you know, be like, she'd like eventually just like grab your hand and pull you over. And you're like, so you want to dance? So you want to dance? <laughs> and I remember the big middle school slow dance. And this is middle school and high school slow dance. It was this song. I'll make love to you like you want me to and I'll hold you tight baby all through the night and we're like 12 and 13 and we're slow dancing to this shit it's it is gr- almost grotesque thinking about it <laughs> it's almost like a bunch of kids hitting puberty are are slow dancing to a song about like making love to a woman all through the night all through the night and you gotta tuck that boner up in the waistband and you just gotta like <laughs> slow dance to it I'll make love to- and also at that time you don't think your boner is a boner so you're unaware of like how prominent like your boner feels against other things you know what you know what i'm saying i don't i don't I, you I don't think, think so i do because oh. i don't think to me my it always felt like the boner. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is a boner, but I'm like, she's not feeling this boner. <laughs> Only I can feel this boner. <laughs> I can feel this boner. <laughs> Welcome to the Pop Bonsai Podcast. All right, Jay. We have reached the end of the road. Another middle school dance song of our coming of age set. Let's go back. Let's rewind through our set here. We started off talking about a little coming of age crime filled called City of God, where we got to learn a little Portuguese, Portuguese, (laughs) uh, and uh, went to the gritty streets of... Uh, Rio de Janeiro, 
suburbs, slums, slums, slums probably be what it's yeah, called. Yeah. And then we took a little trip to what would we do after that, Jay? I know we did the Frank Portman novel. Freaks oh, and geeks. oh, freaks and geeks, of course. How could I forget uh, Paul Feig? Uh, written television series from the late 90s, early 2000s, Freaks and Geeks. And we watched the entire season, and it was not a burden to watch that. And we talked about some of our favorite episodes and some of the coming-of-age concepts in that. And then we read one of our, oh, childhood idols, Frank Portman, a.k.a. Dr. Frank's coming-of-age novel, King Dork. We talked about that on the last episode. And now, Jay, it's that time of our set where you put everything together into a playlist. You pick seven songs. I pick seven songs. We put them on Spotify. We put them on YouTube. We break that shit down. We make connections. We use music to bridge, to create bridges, Jay. Yeah, that's great. That's very well put. Yeah, yeah. Jay's like, mm, I saw you drinking a martini earlier. Is this martini talk? <laughs> Whatever it is, man, it made sense. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, so um, I can't think of a better way, especially to cap off our coming-of-age set um, as doing it through music. Um, music has always been a huge part of my growing up as i'm sure it was years mm -hmm. as well and just so many songs i'm so emotionally connected to and it just seems like out of all of our playlist um uh, uh episodes i feel like this one is like the most uh personal. i don't personal or like even like uh prescient um, like energizing yeah, energi okay <laughs> yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's important it's it's it just it makes the most uh sense you know like it i don't know no I, I no i absolutely agree and it's, it's funny you say that i always thought because music hit me so hard during my coming of age years you know those preteen teenage years that i assume that every teenager since the development of recorded uh music this was a defining factor of their char uh, character, of their identity, of their growing up years. However, I will say I've been teaching high school and school now for 15 years, and you don't see that same connection to music in those years. You just don't. Kids don't wear band shirts. Mm -hmm. You don't see them. I mean, you see them with earphones in, but not as, I mean, we, it was a burden to have earphones and have portable music when we were kids. You really had to work with that shit. You were changing batteries every day. You had these clunky Walkmans or CD players. You had skipping. You had to carry those folders and binders of cassettes and <laughs> CDs. Yeah, uh, yeah. You would get it confiscated. It would take up half your backpack. Now they can just put it in on their iPhone, watch and, and listen to it. And they still, I don't see people jamming out to music. I don't see a lot of guitars mm. being brought out at lunchtime. I don't see a lot of uh, um, garage bands uh, starting up in high school. Music yeah, yeah. doesn't seem to be as connected to the growing up years as it once was. I'm not saying kids aren't listening to music. I'm just saying it doesn't seem to be as much of a development of their identity as it clearly was to you and I. I, I tend to agree with that. Um, from what, I mean, you see it as 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 a, a teacher, I see it from my kids. Um, 
oddly enough, my two teenagers uh, <clears throat> who are 19 and 16 are both really into music, but they're both really into music in a different way. Uh, my son is a, a musician <clears throat> and he plays everything he can get his hands on. And my daughter is just, just was like me and just wants to absorb so much. You know, she wants to watch documentaries. She wants to listen to new stuff. I mean, she, she likes like REM, The Cure, The Smiths, Depeche Mode. Um, and, and she likes some of the new crap, but she's really into like, like really into those things. That's ironic because um, The Cure for The Smiths is Depeche Mode. So if you ever got a, if you ever got a bad case of the Smiths, the cure is Depeche Mode. <laughs> but you know, but she she likes it. She she's interested in it. She gravitates towards it. You know, and and that's awesome. And I happened to ask her. I said, um, I said, oh, are any of your friends? And because she has quite a, she has a lot of friends. And I'm like, right, do you know anybody in a band? Humble brag. Are you friends with anybody in a band? <laughs> Well, easy little she, casserole. She, Come on. Oh, she's, she's got so many friends. Well, she's in, she's in drama. So she has all her drama. She can't friends. like music that much. If she has so many friends, <laughs> <laughs> but I asked her, I'm like, do I, any of your friends in a bands or are they, are they starting bands? Or are they? No, no. She doesn't talk no. about it. She doesn't talk about a scene then a lot. No. Oh no, no, no. There's no talk no. about the scene. It's probably the, oh, if you said what's, you know, uh, what are the scenes? You should probably, what do you mean scene? Would she, would she know what a scene is in the way we'd use it? Probably not. Probably yeah. not. No, no. Cause even in my high school, there were, you know, at least maybe three. Cause these kids today, bands. they're, they're so spoiled. They feel seen all the time. So they don't have to create their own scene. M maybe. Or their, or their scene is like online. Yeah. You know, oh, that's like true. Yeah. You know, screen. Like that's their screen. False. <laughs> Scenes yeah. have been placed, replaced by screens. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, hold on. Let me write so, those lyrics. This this fits this fits in well with my first choice. Scenes have been replaced by screens in protests on the lawn. <laughs> click, 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 click. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, it does it does feel like a great way to wrap up the coming of age thing. And uh, we were talking off air that this was a tough playlist to come up with because we we called it like kind of our personal puberty playlist. Now, normally, uh, it's a it's a real straight equation of pick songs that have to deal with the conversations that we've had during our set or uh, songs that represent holes in our major subject matter that we haven't been able to discuss and the song will allow us to discuss before we end the set. This yeah. one is uh, was more of like, hey, music was big to us. It was big to Frank Portman. It was big in Freaks and Geeks, you know, and so let's, let's make sure that the songs that we pick, we have some personal connection to the material or the musician or the album or the song. So, man, I went through and I built a couple of playlists and I threw them out until it was, it was, this was like high science, man. Uh, and I think once I combined my songs with Jay's songs, we put a couple of our uh, songs that we talked about earlier in our set when we came to when it came to the question of if you had to pick a song to rep to be your opening credit song to your uh, show like Freaks and Geeks about childhood and puberty, what would it be? So we'll go through those again at the end. But we got a we got a list of 14 songs here that I think work well together and I think are going to allow us to uh, have a good discussion to wrap up our coming of age tales. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you mentioned it was difficult. This was one of the most difficult plays to put together. It, it wasn't difficult 
finding songs, it was difficult whittling them down to yeah. six or seven. I mean, when we first started this set, honestly, like I started a playlist and I had like probably like 20 songs in there. I used none of them in the final cut. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Should we get into this, Jay? Yeah. Yeah. Let's dive All in. right. You created the set list order this time and you so kindly started with one of my songs. So I'm going to go ahead and hit play on this bad boy right now. Oh, what you hear coming through your speakers right now is the song Helpless by the band D Generation. That is the letter D followed by the word D uh, Generation. And this is from their album Through the Darkness. Give it a second here to sink in. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and move that down a little bit. And... I picked this song because one of the things that I think that was a big part of my coming of age was the something I had to come to terms with was a kid who was born in the 80s being raised by baby baby boomer parents. Uh, I got to I got to <laughs> Can't talk with the song playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like I feel like Adam Sandler in that song where people start clapping. He's like, uh, can you stop the clapping? I can't think with all the clapping going on. <laughs> I can't rub my stomach and pat my head at the same time. So, anyways, this song uh to me represents uh I think we see this in a lot of coming of age stories and the coming of uh, coming of age media, is this retaliation and this confrontation with your generation and your parents' generation. Now, for me, that mm. happens to be early, like the earliest millennials uh, with uh, baby boomer generation. And so the song starts off, and you get that sense right at the beginning of the song. The first lyrics of that song are, Father collected 50s records, but he was a racist. Mama grew with Frank Sinatra, raised to hip-hop kids. Our parents gave us television and vanished in their cars. Teacher gave, teachers gave us bad religion, stomach aches, and scars. And mm. I love that opening to it. And he's got that really kind of like that punk rock voice to it. Um, and I'm not calling my dad a racist, but I'm not, not calling him a racist, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, and makes sense, and I, it's funny because now that I'm older, Things like 50s records and Frank Sinatra and stuff like that. Of course, I, I have huge appreciation for. But at the time, it, it's like that Brando line. It's like, what are you rebelling against? And it's like, well, what do you got? What do you got? You know? Yeah. And I think this song encapsulates that feeling that you have when you get to that moment where you're separating yourself from your home life, from your childhood, and moving into adulthood. You have to reject the things that came before you. You have to read. There's a moment where we're raised on these ide ideals and we just accept them. We accept the values and the morals that we were raised with uh, and the taste that we were raised with. But we get to that point uh, where we cross that threshold. And in order to cross that threshold, we must have something to rebel against. And so what's the closest thing to us? Our parents, their generation, and their values. Uh, and so this song really goes through um uh you know this idea of 
how we're being educated is the way our parents were educated. Uh, they're giving us, you know, what they were raised on. They're trying to put down our throats. Um, and at one point he says, I've been trying to make connection, but I still don't quite belong. Mm-hmm. Right. He's at that point, you're trying to, to, to make your childhood fit in with what's coming in the current scene and, and trying to make it all fit together in this night, nice, neat puzzle. So you're not abandoning anything uh, completely. Uh, and then of course the last uh, chorus of it is um, uh, I feel so much better. I was lost forever. I feel so much better now. I've seen all your drama. Hope you like your comma back on wonder Rama now. And uh, great, great thing. And of course, Jay, you're a big fan of comic books. And I used to listen. I probably was experienced, exposed to this song around like 15 or 16 years old. And I was mm-hmm. in the comic books, you know, no one, no one else was in the comic books. So to have the lyrics, oh, yeah, comic books and dirty looks so front and center in that verse. And this punk rock song, I was like, comic books and dirty looks. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> He knows, man. And then he you have that. Cl- I, I am a sucker for na 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 nas, la 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 las, mums, ba 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 bas. If you put la la las or uh, you know any of that shit in a song from like the 1950s, that mumma la la las, I am down for it. That's why I like the Ramones. Gaba gabas, I'll take a gaba gaba. Because <sighs> that's rock and roll. Yeah, that's rock and roll. That's doo wop. Yeah. You know, the, the girl bands. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. It's, it's just, I, I'm, I'm feeling the song. I, the, uh, we're keeping it moving. I got no lyrics. So, na, 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 na. Because that's the shit that you would do when you're writing a song. When I was in bands, you get to a party, like, what are we going to say here? And you're just like, la, 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 And you're like, what, what's that going to be? You're like, I think it's good as it is. <laughs> Works. Yeah. It works. Yeah. And, well, to be honest with you, man, I so I put this song on first because I like Degeneration, mm-hmm. and I tried to go through this uh, like a couple times before I actually went through it. And every single time I heard that first song, and I'm like, mm, I'd rather just listen to Degeneration. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I got through it a few times, but yeah, that's yeah. great song. Great band, man. In, in the late '90s, early 2000s, Degeneration were carrying the, the, the torch. In my opinion, <clears throat> like the real punk rock torch, you know, through the. It's like fuck the Warp Tour, fuck fucking yeah. whoever, some 41 or Good Charlotte. Dude, these guys, these guys knew where it was at. Yeah, it felt you know they feel like the next incarnation of Billy Idol, you know. Um, Gen- yeah, Generation X, yeah, title. yeah, 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 all that. Uh, even like Dead Boys, uh huh. Um, you know, all that like just gutter rock and roll. Exactly, exactly. Uh, speaking of uh rock and roll and punk rock and gutter, I'm gonna go ahead and hit play <laughs> on your next song, Jay. Take us through it. All right, I'll let it play for a minute. So. Okay, so uh, uh, my first choice uh, was Operation Ivy, and it's a song called Vulnerability from their their one and only LP, uh, Energy. It came out in 1989. And the reason I chose this particular song or this particular band 
not so much the song, but um, this album, um, when I went to my first high school party, was playing at, at the house, and I didn't know what the hell it was, and but I was strangely drawn to it. And I had never heard, I don't think I've ever heard ska. I mean, maybe like madness, if, but um, never in this like raw form or even music in this raw form. And I was just, I was so freaking drawn to it. I, I remember I didn't know whose house it was or anything. I was there with a couple of friends and I was going around to everybody. So what is this? Who, what is this? What's playing? And nobody knew. Finally, the guys, I, I stumbled onto the guy whose, whose party it was. And he, he was like gracious enough to be like, Oh, it's, it's this band operation. I and he showed me the cassette and I looked at it and I just, I went through the J card. I'm like, what the hell is this? And it, the next day uh, I went to the record store and I, I bought it. Um, Cause th- that's, that's just how, how much I felt this. And uh, uh, that was, yeah, that opened up a whole new world. <laughs> yeah, it's that, yeah, yeah, going in there and hearing that sound. And it's a sound that gets you more than anything else, you know. Um, I grew up in a place where we didn't have, like, the local indie scene. So we got, like, the, so those first sounds weren't those indie sounds like Operation Ivy, you know, coming out of the Bay Area. It was, like, probably, like, you know, Green Day or something like that. And then you'd work backwards from there. It's really cool mm-hmm. that your first experience was getting something with the sound that, you know, eventually became such a heartbeat for you uh, is was this authentic sound of the time, you know, that Operation Ivy sound. Um, yeah, yeah. I and, mean, and so another. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. please, please, please. I was going to say, um, you know, we're talking about high school dances, like like shit goes down at high school dances shit goes down to high school parties it's like dances and parties were like where where like the hot spots you know like oh so and so fought so and so or so and so got together with so and so you know like yeah but jay they weren't you weren't you you didn't get to rub your boners up on anything at those (laughs) how do you know know? there was a palm tree in the back you know i could (laughs) have jay's freaking that palm tree again i'll make love to you (laughs) <laughs> some boys to men you know good I, choice I, I, good choice i mean in operation ivy so i mean of course you know their big one knowledge you know that's so like all i know is that i don't know uh that's a, a very realistic look at uh, where you are in that coming of age sound all right yeah. moving over to our next song which is one of mine also in the punk vein So, as you can tell, it's very punk rock, very skate punk, 90s, Midwest punk. You're listening to Lagwagon is the band. The name of the song is Know It All. We'll give it a second here as the lyrics come in. So, this song, basically, I don't even know if they're singing or they're just giving, like, a lesson. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's there's no like rhyme it's just like he it's just a lecture uh you know in second person like hey you used to do this and now you do this and it's called know it all because the song is about those people who i was one 
uh, who really um, dig their heels into a genre of music and their taste in music, and they become the arbitrators of what's good and what's not good. And they reject everything that does not follow in their form, and they draw boundaries around everything. Uh, and this was, you know, when I was in the punk rock scene, and in my, I put it in quotes because it was in Japan, and it was basically what we created, myself and our friends, so, you know, with uh, the, the VHSs we would get with punk bands on it and the punk shows we'd go to here in Japan. But it was very much, at that time in my life, part of coming of age for me was putting myself into a camp and then drawing boundaries around what that meant and holding that line. Mm. I was so stubborn in what I considered good, authentic, <clears throat> and bad, and posers. Uh, it was this weird, it's a weird phenomenon that, that happens, that maybe not to everyone, but certainly I think people who are really into music growing up is you take ownership of that music and you want to protect it and everything else becomes crap. You know, and it's so opposite of of how I look at anything today. I'm like, you like that? Cool. Oh, cool, man. You like that? Oh, you got you. That's a sweet Twilight T-shirt, bro. You like the novel? Cool. <laughs> I read them. I mean, they're not. I mean, they're fine. Oh, well, you know what do you want? I'm like, I'm not gonna bash you for it. I'm not gonna say it sucks. You like that song, that Taylor Swift song? That's cool. Hey, what do you listen to, buddy? Oh, okay, Miley Cyrus? Uh, yeah, man, cool, man. I heard she's rocking it out. But back then, I would be merciless. Merciless. And use choice language that we couldn't use today to describe people who listen to stuff that I didn't like. Because I, like the song, was a know-it-all. <laughs> That's Yeah, I think yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. I, I think when you're young and you're you're really into this you yeah you want to try and and protect it you want you 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 want to define it because when you define it it defines you you know um and uh, i i know exactly where you're coming from i was the same exact way there is this great play on the word right um uh, no, the lyrics on this go know it all know it all did you really listen to that song could you ever write what you call wrong Hmm. Right. So meaning like, oh, like you don't like that song. Could you write a song like that? Also, could you ever write what you call wrong? R-I-G-H-T. You're like, oh, I get it, Travis. I'm like, I'm breaking it down for you like he's a small child. You're like, oh, I get it. I get it. Uh, I love that. I love that that thing on there. And sometimes punk bands like a lag wagon um, or no use for a name and stuff like that. They don't get credit for their lyric writing abilities and like the strong strength of their songs. And I think I like this one. I remember at the time listening to this a lot and being in the mo in the mode where I was bashing shit and then listening to the song and being like, no, it all, no, <laughs> like a poser. Dude, <laughs> I think, uh, I think you're absolutely right about, uh, some of those bands, especially, um, a no use for a name. Um, a lot of those fat bands, no, I don't think they get the credit they they deserve lyrically. H two O, yeah, they're actually you know they're saying something, and uh, uh, even like 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 face to face, really yeah. like emotional lyrics. Ten foot pole, um, it's great. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, dude. Yeah, we can go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just start naming punk bands. Here we go, Jay. Take us <laughs> to the next one. 
<clears throat> okay. So uh, I want to play it. I want to play it out a little bit. Yeah. Drums um, coming in. So uh, this is. There's a lot of people already know Motley Crue's Too Fast for Love from their debut LP, Too Fast for Love. Came out in 1981. And um, so I was. I, I'm a bit older than Travis, and I was uh, just hooked on MTV uh, from like the, the, the Michael Jackson, Prince, Duran Duran, like early 80s. And I just, I, I just, I loved it. And I just kept going through it when hair metal started getting popular. And I started kind of, you know, it was those formative years. And so hair metal stuff like like Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Doc and Rat, Poison, uh, you know, geez, I mean, even like some of those smaller bands like Faster Pussycat, LA Guns, um, were just, I just loved, I mean, they were, it was like a prepubescent boys uh, dream lifestyle. You know, you see these dudes and they just look really cool and they had these yeah, all these androgynous. like really good looking girls. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and and they just had all this money and they're just having fun, you know, just being really irreverent and mean and uh it was just great, man. Well, it, it's it's uh, it, again, I think it falls into that rebel category of when you're that age, when you're going like middle school and high school at coming of age time. Um, there's an expectation on how to behave. Your teacher's like, nope, sit up, do this. Where's your homework? Why are you wearing that t-shirt? You got holes in your pants, go change. You don't get an, you're not getting an earring. Your parents are like doing, you know, saying this stuff. Why do you want to do this? Comb your hair, all this shit like that. And then you see a bunch of people on television making millions of dollars, getting all the, you're like, what? Th things aren't adding up, you know? Um, like that doesn't make sense to me. And you're telling me this, but I'm looking at this. This seems like a better option for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, cause it, you know, like you're saying, it's just like, like the whole rebellion thing, you know, uh, uh, the, you know, what you just described was, uh, was Van Halen's hot for teacher video. Yeah. You know, um, you know, it's just like giving a middle finger to, to, yeah, the institution, you know, yeah. the, the like daily, that. you know, it's the institution, drudge. man. Yeah, <laughs> very dazed and confused still. <laughs> but yeah, and so, so hair metal and and Motley Crue were, used to be my favorite band in like seventh grade, and and oh, and they were also my first concert. Um, Jeez. yeah, yeah, my first concert. I went to go see them in the, uh, I believe it was the Girls, Girls, Girls tour um in Compton Terrace <clears throat> I was like I must have been 12 13 something like that how did you like the dirt either the book or the Netflix adaption of it it was it, sorry it was interesting um I never read the book um I just I saw the movie and and we talked about it my in my other podcast um and it was cool. I mean, there was a lot of, not a lot of stuff I hadn't heard before. Um, cool style though. They got the style, right? Like, you know, like the, you know, the glamor and the, the hairstyles and the outfits, they captured that pretty well. Yeah. 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 I can't follow you too, too far down the, the butt rock hole. Um, I mean, the, 
<laughs> but no, I, I, I just don't know. I, I'm very shallow. I know all those bands. Like I, if you gave me a rap song, I might be, I might misidentify it as poison or so on and so forth. I've heard a lot of those songs, but just the shallow surface. Maybe the top two singles from each of those albums. <clears throat> of course, you know, a huge Guns N' Roses fan. That's like the 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 entry point for a lot of people into that world. Yeah, but um, yeah. I could see the appeal, and I I definitely foresee in the future kind of like this last year where I did this huge Bowie dive and just gobbled everything up. I could see myself going into um, that kind of hairband dive and just really discovering a love of that music. But right now, which is very intimidating as far as getting into it. And I know that when I do it, I got to, that's going to be it. Like I have to be prepared to go into that zone. Right. Um, Although I'm my, I got a hat on right now. My hair is getting very long. I feel like I'm, I, I might be, I might be prepping my body to go into hairband mode. Nice. Shit, it's, it's, it's getting down to the, to the shoulders. It's very curly. Really? And I think that, uh, I might have to start, um, it's all the same. Only the names have changed. <laughs> <laughs> Invest in some leather pants. Too hot in Arizona. Step. <laughs> uh cutoffs there we go Leather cutoff there we Everybody go done that before there we go i do like a boot cut jean i do like a boot cut jean <laughs> oh <laughs> gotta have uh, some rhinestones in the back that's too. right all right next one one of mine whoops let's go ahead and hit oh you know those chords you know those chords. Those chords can only mean one thing, that the band Everclear is in the house. And this song is Local God, which I believe was made specifically for the 1996-1998 Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. I don't think this was on any of their other songs. Let me turn that down so I can focus. <laughs> and uh, so... Um, this was uh, a this one. I don't know how I pulled this one out of the ether. This song I liked Everclear growing up, and that was one of the songs that I gave my shit myself shit for for liking. It was probably one or more of my sister's bands that I liked, and I was like, "All right, I'll let this slide." Like so much for the Afterglow, that whole album that that shit is on. It's so good. Uh, I think Art is a great songwriter. Their sound is so alternative and poppy. They get lumped in a lot with like Third Eye Blind and stuff like that. But I think they got some yeah. some real dark shit being oh, being yeah. being said. It would be like if Paul McCartney fucked John Lennon and they had a child. That would be art. It would be <laughs> all the poppy, jaunty rhythm of Paul McCartney and the dark undertones of John Lennon wrapped in uh, uh, one package. And this song... Um, I was, I was going through this and I was trying to think of a song that really represented that feeling of invincibility when you're with your crew, when you're with your boys. And I was like, the boys, boys, the boys, the boys feel just like a local God when I'm with the boys, we do what we want. Yeah, we, and I was like, oh shit. I'm like, I used to love that song. I haven't heard that song in so long. I used to jam out to that song. You had to be careful because it was attached to that Romeo and Juliet movie. But if you separate that song from that movie, which I like the movie, 
But at the time, yeah, so every girl liked it. So you couldn't be like, man, fuck Leonardo DiCaprio, pretty ass boy. You know? <laughs> but now I'm like, good movie. I fucking love Romeo and Juliet. It's still one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. There were like 29 plays. I probably read about 20 of them. And Romeo and Juliet still holds up for me. It's one of my favorites. Um, and so we use Romeo here as kind of like this stand-in mm -hmm. for like who you want to be. Like that's the that's the guy I want to. We all want to be. That's our leader, and I think that's important in uh, coming uh, and when you're growing up and you're going through these things is you have these these crews, your boys, and then you have kind of like a leader. Now that leader for us always changed depending on like who had the spotlight. Oh, you made the soccer team. Oh, now you got a little bit of heat on you this week. <laughs> oh, so and so asked you to dance. Oh shit, you got a little bit of heat on you this week. Oh, you just you know uh, whatever it is. Uh, oh, you got in a fight? Oh, you got the heat on you this week. And so for me, that always kind of changed the alpha dog in the group. But mm. this idea of uh, feeling like a local god, like you when you're walking down the hallway with your boys, when you're pulling into the school parking lot, when you go into the lunchroom, when you go out to a show together or you go out to, you know, to just kick it. Like there is a sense of like when you got your boys with you, that's it, man. That's that's your crew. That is your identity. That's your family. And I, and I thought there's a lot of songs out there about your crew, your boys, your clique. But I thought this one was also very much of the sound that I was listening to at that time as well. Cool. Interesting. Yeah, I was wondering where you pulled that. I was like, I'm like, I'm not a huge Everclear fan, but mm -hmm. I know like singles and I'm like, the hell did this come from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a bit of a, a, a an odd choice there, but um, I remember loving that song, and and when I put it on the list, before I put it on the list, I listened to it like a good seven or eight times. I'm like, man, I'm really loving this song now. I love the imagery to it. I love how he brings in some lines from Shakespeare, uh, uh, in there. Uh, so. Jay, what was your favorite Shakespeare play you had to read in high school? It was probably Romeo and Juliet. Mm -hmm. Did you have to read other ones? Did you take like any of the AP classes and stuff like that? Um, I've read um, Macbeth and mm -hmm. Hamlet. Yeah, Macbeth is usually um, uh, um, junior year, um, Hamlet, senior year, Romeo and Juliet, freshman year, and usually Midsummer's Night's Dream, sophomore year. Typically, those are the four that you get. It's, yeah, I forgot about that one. Um, uh, what's the award? oh Julius Caesar is usually taught somewhere in there. Oh yeah, as well. yeah, yes, and much ado about nothing. Um, I'm not sure if I that was assigned to me if I just read that. Shakespeare's a lot of, is also a part of coming. I mean, Shakespeare does in Romeo and Juliet. I mean, oh, that might be like the quintessential coming of age story. Oh yeah, I mean, with the language sure. and the, the dick and fart jokes and the uh, infatuation and the uh, young love and obsession. the obsession and the betrayal and the family and the generations and the expectations. Mm. I mean, Romeo and Juliet kind of wraps up a lot of what we talked about. Yeah, dude. Yeah, maybe we should have hit on that. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to do a young love set at some point. It's, yeah, so timeless, man. Yeah. So many of those themes just still carry on. And it's re it's remade so much. That story is remade so much. 
And it never gets old. Mm. It never gets old. Like, this is just Romeo and Juliet. Right. I'm never like, this is just Romeo and Juliet. I'm like, oh shit, this is Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Like West Side mm-hmm. Story and shit. I'm like, I don't, I'm like, make yeah. more of this. Make more of this. It doesn't get old. All right. Neither does this next song that you put on our list. <laughs> Here we go. I really, I'll let it play a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm really surprised you. Uh, for some reason, a, a time seems to have forgotten a lot of these bands like this. Yes. Um, like Jesus Jones, EMF. I would um, say this yeah. Jesus Jones song you picked right here, which I'll let you introduce in a second. Uh-huh. It's very, it's the same kind of sound as like a filter sound. If I had the bottle, like there's 90 sounds are so disparate. But if I had to, like, if you had to coalesce everything and be like, what sound really encapsulates everything that's going on in the 90s, this song right here might be in the running. Right right next to a We Didn't Start the Fire. <laughs> uh, we Didn't Start the Fire. Even that, I feel like, has more echoes of what was happening a generation before than, uh, uh, yeah, than what was happening this one. I would say I don't like the band, but if that encapsulate everything, I would say maybe like a Sugar Ray song probably would, would encapsulate that shit. It's got a little hip-hop. It's got a little bit of that reggae shit. It's got a little punk. It's got a little ska. It's got a little rock. Not a great band. Not a great song. Uh, but... Uh, uh, this, this song, I'll let you, I'll let you talk about it, Jay. It's your pick. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's fine. Um, this band in particular, I, I was, I don't listen to them a whole lot. Um, they had a, this song I, I like a lot. And there was another song off of Doubt that was really cool. But I picked this song because this was the first show i went to with a girl it wasn't a group um, it wasn't a group it wasn't a hey let's go hang out as friends. it was a date a date that date was this concert it was a date <laughs> it's official it was a firefight <laughs> so huge huge moment boner oh life. moment moment yeah but moment yeah well, well that too you know, <laughs> there was a palm tree in the back i got to rub up um <laughs> he's like blue from the jungle book except it's not his back he's rubbing <laughs> so yeah so i'll always remember this band will always have that place in my right mind. here that place which was for, at that moment which was right here right now yeah it is it does there is a spinny quality to that like a dizziness to that song that right i think it actually if you listen to the right headphones it actually kind of revolves and echoes Mm -hmm. around your headphones Mm -hmm. to give you that ethereal right here right now i'm so dizzy that i'm in love you know that kind (laughs) of that kind of quality to it so it does kind of capture that moment of that intoxication that a certainly a first date or a first crush would give you. Yeah, and the band that opened up for them, uh, the Stereo MCs. Uh, do you remember those guys? No. The the they sang a song "Connected." I'm gonna something 
keep myself connected. Oh, that sounds alone. familiar. I thought I'd say Funky Junkies at first. Funky Junkies, I am. <laughs> Remember the Funky Junkies? They were from <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Funk Junkies. Funk Junkies, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jesus Jones. Uh, I think I was a high, sophomore. Sophomore in high school. Um, so... Yeah, no, I, that might be the only Jesus okay. Jones song I know. It's the only one worth knowing, really. <laughs> I kind of feel that way about this next band that I was listening to. I there's about three or four of their songs, uh, Flaming Lips at that time. I need to go back and revisit them to see if I have an older. Uh, so I chose this next song playing for you right now. The test begins now. I'm going to let it get to just that first lyric because I think that is such a great lyric. Here we go. All right. So this song is the uh, is called Flight Test. It's by the Flaming Lips. Uh, it's after uh, Yoshimi battles the Pink Robots. That is a good album. Um, mm -hmm. And this song, I put this song on the list because I remember listening to this uh, in high school. Um, you were probably out of high school by the time this album came around, or just mm -hmm. ending high school. Um, and. I love the sound of this. I remember liking this song and feeling that it was even nostalgic in the moment. Like I was, it's weird that someone, and I'll probably say this again for another song. It's like, I will say this again for another song is like, even when I heard it, I realized it was a song about reminiscing and thinking back to your past and thinking about back to your formative years. And even though I was in my formative years, it was like me looking back to like sixth grade and being like, but this, this song I put on there, <laughs> This song I put on there because the lyrics are as if I wrote this. Like all these ideas are what I would say about my own self. I think I have during the a lot of these things have been echoed uh, in the set. Me talking about you know like oh it's kind of you know the things I enjoyed and the things that I was kind of full of myself about and the things that whatever it was. But the lyrics that go, it starts off with uh, I thought I was smart. I thought I was right. I thought it better not to fight. And this is the one that gets me. I thought there was a virtue in always being cool. Hmm. Doesn't that sum up so much <laughs> of like puberty and coming of age? I thought there was a virtue in always being cool. Man, that wow. gets me. It's because it is. I mean, you're like, but here's the thing, Jay. I was listening to this song this last week over uh, quite a bit. And... I would think I would get over that. I actually think, I still think there's a virtue in being cool. It's a douchey, there's a, there's a way to look at it a douchey way, but I also, there's also a way to look at it in a sense of like, the way Tarantino does it, like, be cool, honey bunny. You know, we're <laughs> all gonna be like a couple of Fonzies. How's Fonzie? He's cool, right on. I think there is still a virtue in being quote unquote cool. About knowing your, I think because cool comes, my definition of cool is different from when I was coming of age. I think my definition of cool now is knowing yourself so well that you are so comfortable with yourself in any situation. Yeah. And to me, that is a virtue. 
Like, there's a virtue in always being cool, where you can be yourself no matter what the situation is. Whether it's an extreme situation, a boring situation, whatever it is, that is a virtue in there. And I think that that is uh, a really cool virtue. Other uh, notable lyrics in here. Um, Because I'm a man, not a boy, and there are things you can't avoid. You have to face them when you're not prepared to face them. Mm. Uh, That's a great one. Um, And then, of course... Uh, they use this one. Um, I don't know. This is the repeating verse. I don't know where the sunbeams end and the starlights begin. It's all a mystery. And that to me is that transition from adulthood, that twilight, right? You're not a, you're not a boy. You're not a man. You're stuck in there and you don't know where the sunbeams end and the twilight begins. It's all a mystery to you in that stage. You're like, what am I? I don't know what adult life looks like and I'm not a kid anymore. What am I? And I think that flight test captures this might capture for me of all my songs, how I look at my personal mentality uh, as a um, young man. Interesting. Interesting. You touched on a couple of things. I think it's so funny that you said, you can listen to songs back when you were young and, and, and that, that are talking about like reminiscing and, mm-hmm. and you, you can somehow relate to it. I, I was the same, you know, like listen to like Sinatra's like September of my years yeah. or something. I mean, like, yeah, the good, the, the best days are behind me kind of thing. And you're when like, I was you're like 21. Junior in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I did the same thing, dude. Yeah, then you get kind of get melancholy about it. You're like, yeah, those are good old. Those seventh grade was good to me. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. You're like, oh boy, yeah. It's it can still be nostalgic for it. You're like, yeah, I've been there, done that, Wu Tang. <laughs> <laughs> and, and another thing, uh, I I certainly uh, uh, see cool as a virtue because I. I you know, I have a couple definitions of cool that are they're always running around. One of them is is what you said. You know what, you know, uh, knowing yourself, being being comfortable in your own skin, uh, you know, being forthcoming and honest um, is can definitely be cool. However, the other side of me that that looks at like, uh, you know, like the Steve McQueens, mm-hmm. David Bowie's, Miles Davis. Uh, you know, uh, that is, there's always a virtue of being cool like that for sure. Well, I think that comes, you know? well, maybe not. Maybe, I was going to say, doesn't that come from them knowing themselves? No, I think it's, I think it's from them being fearless and taking on an identity. Like I think Bowie was very insecure when he took on the, the uh, persona of, of Iggy uh, Stardust. And I think Dylan was very uncool when he, when he took on his persona and, uh, Steve McQueen, I think, had insecurities in there, uh, but it's about mm-hmm. that faking it till you make it. So that's it, that's an right. interesting. Like you think of Miles Davis is cool, you know, because he just knows himself. You feel like it, but I wonder if, I wonder if it's more about not knowing yourself. It's well, maybe it is. Maybe it's knowing that you're insecure, but being okay with that and fighting through it, accepting yeah. your insecurities and being like, these aren't going to go away, so let me embrace them. And not just that, but knowing your insecurities and and having the 
having the, uh, I guess, guts, for lack of a better word, to just say, and fuck you if you don't like it. Yeah. Hey, you, mate, this, fuck this, you, this, mate. That's what I got to That's what I got <laughs> <laughs> to offer. If you don't like it, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I like that. All right. In the next song, we're going to pick the pace a little here as we go through them. Uh. Oh, sorry. That is April Scott. There you go. Still a little bit slow. A little bit slow. Um, so this, the reason I picked this song, this is my favorite song from one of my favorite albums, Darklands, by the Jesus and Mary Chain, came out in 1987. This was my my go-to album. Um, you know, uh, uh, it was like my sad man album. You know, when when I was having you know trouble with friends trouble with girlfriends i remember the sound i remember the sound you know life was just coming down on me i just put on dark this lands, used to fucking you know? haunt the airways man when we like in the mid 90s you know type thing yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know i jesus and mary chain better than the cure for me better than smith oh wow um this this was my it's like these guys were like my uh, gosh, I mean, I I, 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 these guys got me through a lot, you know, a lot in high school. Wow, um, this album in particular. So, yeah, this was this. Was I my, don't know uh, a lot about. I know I, I, I they were always around, you know, uh, because I'm a little bit younger than you. It was just past it, so like the older kids were listening to it. It kind of falls into like my better than Ezra category, you know. That kind of I was probably more this. I knew more of their shit than I do. Uh, uh, this man, um, Jesus Mary Chains. But it, I think it goes to something that you were talking about before is even when you're young and you're listening to stuff that was obviously written and performed in a way that is someone who is much older, who is going through something, you still feel it. You feel it, it, it is, there's a weight to it. I mean, I think that's what like kind of grunge and I'll, and the grunt, the alternative that came out of grunge really kind of captures really well is this. Um, pre-emo, uh, still, it's 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 like post uh, grunge, alternative pre-emo, but at the same time also post Velvet Underground, uh, all in there together. So there's a lot of Lou Reed. There's a lot of Lou oh, yeah. Reed in this, uh, and I think that is an early onset. I think it's it, it's it's. I'll call it um, early onset beatnik Edies. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, Full yeah. It's especially the album they had after this called "Honey's Dead." Fucking forget it. It's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's a lot more angst, dark. It's darker. It's melancholy. It's uh, yeah. I think that sure. is. I think that's for when you when you start to feel what loneliness is. I think the that yeah. kind that kind of music like the Lou Reed, Jesus Mary Chains, Better Than Ezra's, that kind of those kind of sounds are that's when you're like you're away from your family, or you're isolated and you're with your family, and you, or maybe your friend group has is gone away, or you're in a transition where you're in a new place, and all of a sudden those songs start to make a little more sense to you. A major part of growing up, a, a, nece- a necessary evil is detaching yourself from the world and feeling lonely, or else you're never gonna feel. Uh, comfortable with your insecurities like we talked about with our last thing on there you have to spend time alone where you're not where who you are isn't being reflected by the people around you it's coming from inside of you 
and right. so much of so much of the the preteen and high school years you're surrounded by your boys or your friends or your family and so they're just reflecting back on you what you're putting out there and you're trying to keep people's expectations in line with how you're acting with your family as opposed to your friends but when you're alone you're like oh shit like I don't have to act that way because my friends aren't around. I don't have to act that way because my family's not around. So who the fuck am I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, the next one. A little bottle room. <laughs> little tinkle of the piano here. You know what that means. The piano man himself, people. <laughs> Billy Joel, but we're not talking about the piano man. We're slowing it down. We're talking about. It's funny, I said slow it down as that lyric came up. <laughs> we're talking about the song Vienna by Billy Joel off the album Stranger. I'm going to let it play just a second. Hey, what's the hurry about? You better cool it off before you burn it out. You got so much to so, uh, Vienna, what a beautiful song. Oh, to me, God, this, this song, I put this song on there because I, I like this song. Actually, I wasn't listening to this song when I was going through Coming of Age. This is my song on the list that I was, I'm, I probably had heard it. My parents probably had it playing. I'd probably heard it in many a restaurant. But I wasn't putting this album on. I didn't have the sing, uh, this, I didn't own The Stranger. Um, but when I became an adult, I said, oh, that's what I would tell my kid. That's what I would tell my kid during those years. Slow mm-hmm. down. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, so many poignant lyrics in this. Uh, slow down, you crazy child. You're so ambitious <clears throat> for a juvenile. But then if you're so smart, tell me, why are you still so afraid? <sighs> Come on. Uh, you, you can't be everything you want to be before your time. And then this was what gets me, although it's so romantic on the borderline tonight. And that to me is what's so sad and heartfelt about all this coming of age shit is because there is a brief period in your life. You have childhood, which people say is brief, adulthood, which seems to stretch on. But in the middle, you have an even shorter twilight, the one that we were talking about in flight tests that, you know, where the sunbeams end and the twilight begins here, it's that so romantic on the borderline you know and by using vienna which has always been a crossroads for people it's crossroads between the roman empire and the ottoman empire vienna is that crossroads it was also a crossroads in uh, world war ii between the warsaw pact people and nato versus the eastern bloc during the cold war you know Mm. vienna was the place where both those things met it's it's a central hub of of ideology since the roman ottoman empires using that as a metaphor for the crossroads between adulthood and uh childhood god this works on such an intellectual level it works on such an emotional level and it works on such a ballad level where it's this beautiful piano tones that just hits you in the feels uh and his phrasing his tone his sincerity in this song brings me to tears like if if I have a couple of drinks and I listen to the song in the evening, I will cry. <laughs> I did not pick up on that. I always yeah. wondered why the song was called Vienna. And I was like, oh, whatever. I'll just go with it, you know. But damn, that's... Yeah. I had no idea. It's that's that crossroads. Really I think he wrote it, especially because his dad 
moved to Vienna. Like his elder dad moved oh. to Vienna. But and then he started thinking about it and must have come up with like, oh, what a great metaphor for crossroads. Um, you know, uh, you got your passion, you got your pride, but don't you know that only fools are satisfied? Dream on, but don't imagine they'll all come true. Like it's this very truthful d telling to, you know, this first person, like telling a younger person, it's a better version of Cats of the Cradle. That's for sure. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think, okay. So, you know, it's funny you're, you're talking about earlier, um, about how you, you know, the, the different periods of your life, like, like childhood, you know, we're talking about getting used to, uh, yourself and, and, um, you know, and then, then rising about being comfortable with yourself and, and not, um, defining yourself by people around you. Yeah. There's these periods in life. And I think like, um, and I think there's also periods in your adulthood as well. You know, people think, well, once you're an adult, life just kind of, you know, the curtains close and the lights dim and, you know, well, that's it. You know, it's time to, you know, yeah. but it's, that's not true because there's, there's periods in adulthood, you know, especially like, like early adulthood, you know, twenties to your mid thirties and then mid to your mid forties. And it's like, there's still you're still going through some of these same feelings. And the weird thing is, I think Billy Joel, I mean, granted he was pretty young when he wrote this, uh, but um, I think he under he, some of those, those, his songs that he talks about uh, some of these, these themes that, that you still experience in adulthood. And he writes them from an adult perspective. Well, his dad, his dad's perspective, his dad moved to Vienna. It's his yeah. dad telling him like, listen, uh, I love it uh, here. Your Vienna, it waits for you, Billy. Like slow it down, man. You don't need to get married. You don't have to have kids right now. I'm 30 dad. I've got to like chill, man. Chill. Yeah, yeah. Be cool. Winston. How's Fonzie, Billy? What's Fonzie like? <laughs> You know, he, uh, like, I'm also reminded of, uh, that song, my life. Um, yes. That, that he did, you know, also okay. just talking oh, about like my life, <laughs> yeah, the irony of, of people telling you what to do in, in your adulthood. That song you know, is so like, declarative. It's so declarative in its phrasing. It's wonderful. Yeah. 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 It's like, you know, here you are, you're, 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 you know, you're an adult, you're ready to, to move out in the world and you still have your parents like nagging at you, telling you what to do, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and they have no clue telling you, telling you what to do because the world's totally changed. And, you know, it's like, you know, mom, what are you, you're telling me to do this, but you're telling me to do this too. What am I supposed to, you know, this so, is, I know, cool. I know we, we got to move on, but I know that this song, this is how my parents who are in their seventies, this is what they, this is the advice they give me all the time. Cause I'm, I'm now 37 and I'm like, man, shit, like, what if I do want to have a family someday? Or like, so like, maybe I should like, I, maybe I really have to start working at that and stop waiting for it to come to me or working, uh, uh, you know, trying to wait for kismet and stuff like that. And I, I was having those conversations with them in my late 20s. And it was always kind of like this. I'm like, well, when does that stop? <laughs> when, mm -hmm. when did they stop giving me the Vienna treatment, you know? Um and because that when that day comes, I'm gonna be like, no, <laughs> I thought Vienna's waiting for you. Be like, uh, Vienna's about to close its doors there. <laughs> Vienna's about to be invaded. <laughs> All right. 
Um, so our next song is one of yours. Let me go ahead and play on that, Jay. This is a good version of this song. I'm glad you you actually specified the version. Oh, yeah. and you picked it. One second, let me hit play. Got to recognize those bass lines. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, there's not a whole lot to the song. Uh, you know, not a whole lot of backstory. Um, this band, and I love this song. It's probably my favorite Pixie song. Um, this Dr. Doolittle album is amazing. But this isn't off that. This version isn't off that album, but. No, they yeah. have a, a faster version of it on the album. Yeah. And this version is off. It's like a B-side from one of the singles that they released off mm-hmm. of Doolittle. But <clears throat> this just reminds me of first my first high school crush that I had. Um, she she loved Pixies, and um, I mean she was huge in in getting me into like well you know it was called back then alternative music. You know she she got me into Flaming Lips. Um, Pixies, Modest um, Mouse. No, no, not Modest Mouse too much, but definitely Flaming Lips, Pixies. I think even the Smiths um, just kind of opened the door to to that kind of music. I, I never really appreciated much um, until this. So yeah, so Pixies um, uh, always reminds me of that moment in my it's, life. It's funny you say person. coming of age is based on so much of your tastes are are based on you're losing your parents' tastes and gaining your own taste and it, the people around you. For me, um, th- I bought this Doolittle album freshman year. I was going into my freshman year in high school and my sister, who was four years older, she had these friends that when I was in middle school would make her tapes and we listened to in her car when she'd drive me to school and they had like Sid Vicious, you know, you know, like Wallflowers and like from uh, like alternative to grunge to like, it's also kind of where I got like into like the novelty side of the B-sides, novelty B-sides and stuff, because she has one friend named Emily, who was a year older than her even, and she was into, like, the off-brand shit like that. Uh-huh. And so she, my sister already graduated. She, We were back in Arizona that summer, and Emily came to visit us and stay at the house. So we all went to Best Buy, and, you know, I was starting to get a better taste in music. And Emily was there, and I was like, Emily, what albums do I need to get? And she put in my hand, and she put in Doolittle. Uh, uh, Modest Mouse, uh, Slowly Going West was uh, that's uh, Slowly Going Away Buffalo's MXPX song, but I think it's like Slow Moving West or something like that. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. and there was one more that I can't recall right now, but those three albums were so it was that you know, Violent Femmes esque shit that I absorbed that whole summer, took back to now the new freshman class and high schoolers that didn't know the these sounds and it gave me a bit of cachet. It, it, it helped define, it helped to separate me from the other kids in my pack because I, I had this, I, I knew who the Pixies were. And in 1998, you know, at a army base in Japan, people weren't listening to the Pixies or knew who the Pixies were. And it, it was really cool. It, it gave you clout and an identity. Yeah, yeah. And I little, used to listen to this respect. Jose Jones, Wave of Mutilation, you know. Uh, it was fantastic. And then you also get, then I could also get the joke in Empire Records at the end when they talk about, like, who's the better bass player, the Pixies. The Pixies bass lanes are way better. 
<laughs> you know, it's really interesting. I, I think that's one of the reasons why I, I, I liked doing my, my music blog and why I was always the guy that would make mixed cassettes for people mm -hmm. because I wanted, I wanted to be a part of somebody's pivotal moment the yep. way others were to us. Yep. You know, <clears throat> I so. did that too for a long time. I would make cassettes even after CDs and I'd get, I made a lot of friends that way. I actually helped get me into the scene as I'm mm -hmm. like, Hey, I made you a mixtape. And it was kind of like, were you gay? I'm like, no, I just, <laughs> I made you a mixtape, but it's Valentine's day, bro. Uh, <laughs> I guess it is an inopportune timing, but, <laughs> um, all right. So I'm uh, moving on to our next song. Oh, Jay. I, you uh, know, I, I want to hear this. Man. We... I got to hear this story. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just. Oh, everyone knows this. Everyone knows this song. It is just my imagination by the Temptations, a staple of Americana. It's laid out my window and watch as it's. And for me, I had to include a song on the coming of age playlist that encapsulates how I felt about romance and my view of romance during my coming of age years. And just my imagination, that is it for me because so much of my daydreaming time when you're daydreaming about girls and you, and you, you, you find a girl, it doesn't really matter what girl it is, you fixate on them. And you start picturing, well, what if we were to go out? What would that look like? And what, what would my friends think? And would I have to hang out with her? And, oh, where would we, like, make out? And, um, you know, like, she'd come over and listen to albums. And then we'd go to, like, games together. Oh, she'd come watch my band practice. And uh, she plays soccer. And I play soccer or whatever that is. And... Before you know it, you build this whole relationship in your head that you can kind of live through as opposed to actually going up to the girl and being like, hey, do you want to go to the movies or something like that? Because that wasn't what I would do. Instead of taking that small moment to do that and seeing where things would go, it was more romantic to build it in your head. Because it's just my imagination running away with me. Even I would even take it to the point of like, well, what if, you know, I'll date her and then we'll go to the same college. This is a girl I barely talked to. But when you're a kid, <laughs> when you're a kid and there's that puppy love and crushes, you just pick a girl and then you just expound upon it. You build out a whole life together. Uh, and then you live in that. And... <laughs> And when they don't reciprocate her, like, this is going to work. She didn't look at me today when I passed her in the halls. How are we ever going <laughs> to raise a family if, we, if she won't even look at me? Um, and I think the temptations with the, the tone of this song and the, the beauty of it really captures it. It's a romance song that's not about romance. It's about delusion, mm. but written in the most romantic way. And to me, I was so delusional when it came to romances as a childhood, but in the most romantic way as well. Uh, this was close to being Bouncing Souls Hopeless Romantic. Uh, I wanted to, to pick some other genres of stuff, and, I'm a, and the more I listen to it, this 
also strikes me as that moment in any movie where the the young freshman, you know, is like, so are we hanging out today after school? And then a girl walks around the corner and we do it in slow motion. And then it's like, <laughs> very Sandlot moment, if you will. A Wendy Pepper, <laughs> a Wendy Peppercorn moment. So that is that is my uh childhood romantic uh this in me and i still uh, i probably have hung on to that view of relationships for much longer than i should have hence single still no kids i well see i don't i don't know if that's a, a terribly a bad thing and i'll mm-hmm. tell you why i think that having uh a notion even back then of what romance is 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 healthy it's it's it I mean, how much of that drove your teenage years right. of just the the imagination, the idea of it, the, you know, I mean, man, that like, that's what drives art. Yeah. You know, and, and to, to have that, I think is, is, I think you should feel yourself, I think you should feel lucky because it sucks when you don't. Yeah. You're a fucking drone. You know, that's when you start liking guns and pickup trucks. Yeah. I'm sorry. I yeah. Like an no, yeah, 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 like yeah. That, you know. Um, well, it's also the the flip side of that coin, and I love some songs like this too. Are the opposite, where it's not romantic; it's a lustful song, like "You and Me, Baby, Ain't Nothing But Mammals." So let's do what you do. You know that shit was well, out when, when I was in high school too, and I'd rock out to that song, Bloodhound Gang, as well. But this one to me feels more personal and more precious. Then mm-hmm. the lust stuff always comes and goes, but living in that daydreamy romantic state, which I can still get myself into, and I think I mean we have to, right? If we're ever if we ever going, I mean you want that to exist in uh, at least in some part of whatever relationship becomes the relationship, right? If if this song, if if you are dating someone or are married to someone who this song doesn't remind you of, you married the wrong person. I fuck. I, I totally agree, dude. If you totally are dating agree. someone, here's a test. All right, it's like that movie with Robert De Niro where they talk about going around the car and opening. What is that? The Bronx Tale. It's like Bronx Tale. Oh, the Bronx yeah, Tale yeah, test yeah. is like, okay, you walk, <laughs> here's the deal. You open the car door for you, close it, and you walk around the car. If she doesn't reach over and unlock that door, she's a fucking whore, dumper, <laughs> right? But if she reaches over, then marry her. She's yours for life. Something like that. Here is the thing. If you're dating someone, you're like, well, I don't know how it's going. Listen to this song. And if this song doesn't make you think of her or like, like fantasize about your, your future together, then stop it right there. Because if this song can't can't get you to that place with that girl or that guy or that whatever you're crushing on, then don't do it. This is the temptations test. That's the litmus test. That's a dating <laughs> litmus test yeah, that's right, right there. All right. Let's see if there's any litmus test with our next song going on here. We're moving through our so. track and we're getting to it. Ooh, okay. Another throwback. Yeah, not so much a litmus test here. Uh, so I included Richie Valens. <clears throat> so uh, when I saw La Bamba, the movie La Bamba, uh, when I was a kid, it had a huge impact on me. Um, not only because, uh, I mean, Richie Valens obviously was a Hispanic, 
Um, kind of in this album cover look. here, I can see some similarities too. I'm like, I'm, fli- I'm flipping, <laughs> I'm flipping back and forth from looking at the album cover to the the uh, streamyard, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, huge impact on me, and I think it wasn't just the fact that he he grew up Hispanic, and <clears throat> um, he. So I think this that movie helped me to really understand what rock and roll is. Um, you know, I was watching this movie and, and it helped me get into uh, Eddie Cochran, Buddy Holly, Gene Vincent, all the other stuff that was out there. And I, I'm looking at this and I, uh, you know, I'm watching La Bamba and I'm, I'm watching, did you ever have, first of all, have you seen nope. it? I know of it. No, I've never seen La Bamba. Mother of all. <laughs> so anyway, R- Richie's, and I Brother. won't, Jay. I refuse to. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you got to watch it, dude. You okay. got to watch it. Um, his brother. I got a feeling La Bamba was... is going to be coming up on the uh, one of the set. Jay's going to squeeze it in at, like the most inconvenient place. I'm like, okay, so we're yeah. doing Rebel Girls next. Uh, La Bamba. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're doing our uh, yeah science fiction civil war. Uh... <laughs> um, so Richie's brother was was like a maniac. He, he was like. Uh, he's just a wild ass dude. And I started watching this. I'm like, Bob is rock and roll. That dude is what all these songs are about. And <clears throat> I, I, it's like something clicked. And I think getting into like to Richie Valens and that 50s stuff, I think really helped me pave the way for liking, uh, uh, you know, even like garage, like punk stuff, you know, I got where the, where bands like, like the sex pistols and the clash. And, um, you know, I got where they were coming from. I, you know, Chuck Berry, little Richard, all that stuff, man. It it was already in there when I started, you know, I, when I started hearing the clash and the Ramones, I'm like, ah, that's where they're coming. from. That's it. Yeah. You know, or chords and and drum beat. So, yeah. So, uh, Richie Valens, the Bomba, really had a huge influence on my on my early teen years um, because of that. that. What would your what would be your whitewashed uh, name? <laughs> uh, f- uh, I don't know. That's good. That's good. Uh, Jason Voorhees. Uh, <laughs> 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 all right so we're moving into our last two tracks uh before uh we quickly give our our themes we won't go through our themes um all right so we're switching up genres here as we move into our last uh tracks here let me see i've never heard this before P.S. oh you haven't okay i've never heard it or him i've never heard of this artist or song back in the days when i was just a, i can't i can't i'm not gonna be able to sing all the lyrics to this song <laughs> Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. Okay, so you're listening to the sweet beats of Ahmed Lewis, Back in the Day. Now, there are two versions to this song. I like the original version off the album. Uh, I think the other version was when they did the movie The Wood. They did a remix version of it that a lot of people listen to, and it's played a lot. Uh, I think maybe even to this day on radios in some parts of the country. Um, so one is I have to represent hip hop rap on my uh, list because that was before punk rock. I was listening to rap 
my first albums, some of my first albums were uh, Whoop There It Is, Tag Team, uh, Coolio, um, mm-hmm. Criss Cross was, was um, one of my first cassettes. So I was probably more into rap as a kid than I was into punk rock. Um, and I stopped listening to rap because uh, of demographic, like uh, society, like it was, I had to pick a side and society kind of pushed you into that. You know, at that time I thought, you know, like we got to, you got to pick one and draw boundaries around it. So it's either this or, or that. Uh, and, uh, but I was always listening to it. It's not something I would, you know, talk about with, with my friends, but I was always listening to it. And I was so glad to get out of high school where in the college to meet more people. I'm like, Oh yeah, I love jungle brothers. I love Ahmed Lewis. I love this stuff and get to hear more from them and, and see more in. But this song I remember listening to, and it goes back to what we were talking about. I remember listening to this in high school and being like, back in the days when I was young, I'm like, like still got pimples on my face. I'm not a kid anymore. <laughs> but some days I said, I'm like, man, I wish I was a kid again. I wish I, I wish I could play with my He-Man action figures and not get made fun of. I still have them. I'm not willing to throw them away, but I still have them. Um, and but this one, obviously, there is the lyrics in here are obviously cultural based as far as the pop uh, culture references. But this goes to what I was thinking about, and this really goes to kind of what we we're talking about. The City of God is uh, that that movie we watched about how your generation and where you grew up really sows the seeds of who you are and your memories are. This song is filled with references to like uh, uh, biker shorts with poison written on the back, uh, airbrush on the back of them, K-Swiss shoes, uh, you know, going, hanging out with your older brother, trying to mack a baby hood rat. Of course, these are none of the things I, I didn't, you know, these are, these aren't memories of my own childhood, but they can uh-huh. easily be replaced with like, I remember when I used to wear Jinko jeans and eat <laughs> uh, mint chocolate chip ice cream. <laughs> you know, uh, whatever it is, you can just take his lyrics and replace them with whatever trends were happening when you grew up that were very defined in that time. And that when you see mm. them, when you see a picture of it, you're like, oh man, that takes me back to back in the day when you were young but now, so there's this, this song to me is my nostalgia song. Um, I'm not nostalgic for necessarily all the things in this song, but this song reminds me of the things in my own childhood that click me back to being back in the day. I love that phrase too. We don't use that as much anymore, that back in the day, right? Like, oh, back in the day, you know? In fact, when someone says that expression to me back in the day, I always finish it in my head. When I was young, I'm not a kid. Anymore. <laughs> Some days I sit and you're talking to me, you say back in the day, you'll probably see my head go up and down like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, Travis. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so that I had, to, I had to pay homage to the genre that I uh, did not celebrate enough when I was going through uh, puberty and uh, great song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which takes us into yours, which is a good segue, because yours is also in this genre as well. And you're going to know it from the first beat. Oops. I forgot this video has a long intro. <laughs> oh. There we go. A little shaker. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right on time. So it's tricky. Here we go. <laughs> so, okay, so you're talking about 
puppy love and, and first crushes. So in sixth grade, a huge crush on this girl. And <clears throat> end of the year party. This so our class, our homeroom had this little end of the year party. This girl brings this huge boom box and this tape and license to ill. And <clears throat> again, I was like a huge MTV junkie. This hadn't hit yet. Oh, I wow. Know, I don't know where the hell she got this, but she started playing this and everybody seemed into it. Like everybody like, and I'm like, what the hell is this? And again, same thing. I'm like, I'd never heard anything like it. I was totally captivated by it. Next day, I went out and bought Raisin Hell and, and License to Ill. <laughs> of course. Of course. What a great song, that shaker. Oh, yeah. That those declarative beats, that rock step. That Devo guitar in the background. That you know that these guys mix up uh rap and rock it's a great segue into that that genre um and it's about what we're talking about the opposite of that romantic that puppy uh, just my imagine this is the i met this little girly her hair was kind of curly went to a house and bust her out i had to leave her early that just ultimate like oozing of like i'm an animal i gotta do this uh and i, oh, yeah. I talk about yeah talk about opening a whole new world yeah that's hormones it's just hormones yeah, in, in there yeah. this song is you know i grew up in uh, japan in the teenage years and we go to karaoke like there's a there's a period where we were going like every friday night we go to karaoke we go into the karaoke room and then we'd leave without paying we just run out and we go and like every week, every week we go back in and be like, same people working there. Like they let us in because they're Japanese and they're like so kind. And we like <laughs> run out. <laughs> but like my go-to one was one of my go-to jams was it's tricky. Cause you can, wow. you can do it. You get a friend and you're like, all right, we're going to do it's tricky. And you just have that, you know, it's a fun one to, when you got girls around you, it's a fun one to impress them with. Like let's break it down. Oh, the rap. Yeah. All right, here we go. Yeah. Show your street level. Yep. All right. So uh, that is the seven songs that Jay and I picked for our our playlist. We did add a couple of songs on there from our previous set uh, on the Freaks and Geeks set where uh, we had a guest. And I asked Jay. um, Heidi. And Heidi. um, What if. Because we love, we we all three love the Freaks and Geeks, Joan Jett, Bad Reputation as a theme song for a song about. Uh, a show about coming of age. So I asked yeah. everyone, what would be on your opening credit sequence? What song would be on there? And so Heidi picked, go back to what Jay said, a Beastie Boys song, which is so what, so what, so what you want, right? So that is on there. That is on the playlist. So that's the, to jam it out. And then Jay, we, we, thank goodness he picked this because after reading Frank Portman's book and us uh, just <laughs> gushing over Mr. T's experience, we have to represent them on this list. Even Hitler had a girlfriend, an odd choice for a, a whole, let's hope it's not a CW uh, uh, show about your life. <laughs> as far, as far as that bringing back Hitler. Uh, and then uh, I picked uh, a bullet with butterfly wings, smashing pumpkins, a huge band uh, from, 
my coming of age years. And it's got Rat in a Cage in it as the main thing. Despite all my rage, I'm still just a Rat in a Cage. And when you grow up with the last name, the moniker Rats, it's great to have that in a song. So, wow. All right. Man, the coming of age set was a fun one and this talking about this playlist was so much fun i this is i'm gonna go back and listen to this just so i can hear back our conversation uh and and uh play it back and listen to it but we are shutting the door right on all all our our pimples pimples popping left and right as the door slams shut on them and we are looking towards the horizon to our next set which is what jay what's our topic for next set Oh, Jay's cut out on me there a little bit, so I will go ahead and drop that in on you. Our next set is our discussion. So oh, there we go. our next topic is going to be called Rebel Girls. Rebel Girls. You know what we're talking about. We're talking about those innovators, those women who don't refuse to follow the line. They're not walking the line like Johnny Cash. They're making their own lines, their own rules, and they're doing it with their own style, their own grace, their own aplomb. So we're going to be taking a look at a couple of things here. A little preview. We're going to be looking at Heathers, the movie Heathers, everyone's favorite 80s, 80s movie, yeah, that's in the 80s still. Uh, Christian Slater and Winona Ryder. We're gonna be looking at no, no, it's 90s. Jay, you shake. He's giving me the shake off. Oh, we're we're I think we're we're uh, uh, off time here. Anyways, we're also gonna be looking at Patty Smith's record Horses. We're gonna be taking a look at some female rock photographers, and we're also gonna be looking taking a look at some documentaries that we will announce next week about some uh, female punk rock and rollers. So something to look forward to as we move into our next set. Four episodes. Again, at the end of that episode, we are going to be diving into our playlist, Rebel Girls playlist, and we will see you on the next Pop Wave. Pop -wave.